Welcome to the Lorecast, where we look into the lore and the stories by which we live. I'm Dr. Craig Chalkwist, and you can find us at chalkwist.com slash podcast and at a number of other online venues. There's an idea I've heard quite a bit in psychological circles, alternative spirituality circles, and other similar ones. And I was reminded of it recently because I saw it in... Uh, social media and it's this idea that um, you have everything that you need within you to be happy to live a good life whatever it is right and um, I wanted to present kind of the flip side of this or the shadow side of it because um, I think the pendulum is swinging on this one and so here's what I mean a lot of us grow up socialized to think that all the good stuff is outside us. Um, I'm thinking of my own religious upbringing where salvation was always up to Jesus or God or the church or whatever, never to be found inside. And um, in the society I live in, uh, a lot of your worth depends on how popular you are or how successful you are at work, things like that, external values. Um, the psychological term is an external locus of evaluation, which is a really shaky basis for self-esteem because if your self-esteem depends on forces outside of you, then you have no control over them, although you might think you do. So to counter this, for a long time there's been an emphasis on the wealth and depth of the internal world. Um, you know, translating that phrase of in the Bible, the kingdom of God is within you, right? Or your sense of meaning, uh, your sense of direction, there are things that you can only find in yourself, which is valid to a point. But in terms of pendulum swings, the problem here is that when you take that idea too far and you convince yourself that all the good stuff is only within me, you not only set yourself up for a huge inflation of your ego, you discount relationships, including your relationship with the world around you. And then you stop taking it seriously and participating in it. If only the inner world matters, the outer stuff is all secondary. So why should you pay special attention to it? So the world declines. I sometimes think of this dilemma in terms of Carl Jung's typology, especially the extrovert-introvert part. Um, the idea of I need to focus mainly on the outer world for my own sense of purpose, health, well-meaning, whatever, is an extroverted attitude because the focus is on outer. Whereas um, the idea that it's all within me is a, an introvert's paradise because <laughs> then you don't have to really do anything outwardly to secure it, right? And uh, we introverts have a thousand reasons for staying at home and not showing up in the world with everybody else. 
And um, that, by the way, was one of James James Hillman's criticisms against traditional Jungian psychology, that it was extremely introverted, that it tended to treat the psyche only as inside us, um, in spite of things like Jung's synchronicity theory, where there's archetypal actions happening outside and all that. But the, the main emphasis, the main focus is internal and on individuals. Imagine Jung's shock in his um, early middle age, around the age of 39 or 40, when his dreams started to tell him that some of what he thought was personal conflict or his complexes being activated actually was referring straight to world events. Hence, Hillman's call to get analysis out, out of the office and um, the consulting room and go outside in the streets and analyze the buildings and public life and the abuses by corporations that are malignant and things like that. This idea that the good stuff is only inside also reminds me a bit of an implicit criticism in Plato's myth of air, ER. And um, Plato, of course, criticized the storytellers even while using storytelling to create philosophy. And um, in this particular myth, we all start out as these kind of round-shaped primordial beings joined in pairs. So a human being was half male and half male, half male and half female, or half female and half female. And we had a sense of wholeness or completion. And then Zeus, in his wisdom, for various reasons, decides to divide all of us. And we've been looking for our other half ever since. In other words, we're not complete just by ourselves. We're social beings. And I think a similar idea comes up in the famous allegory of the cave where people are watching shadows and chained up inside a cave and taking the shadows for reality. And it's only the ones that go outside that actually find it. So I've noticed in my own life that introversion and extroversion tend to alternate in phases. And so I would say that for the first maybe... 25 to 30 years of my life, I was very introverted. And that was only increased by growing up in a violent and chaotic house. So introverts tend to go even deeper within to escape from trauma and injury. So in some ways, my upbringing reinforced my introversion. But then around the age of 30 or so, when I was more and more active outside... Um, whether that meant a career or school, friendships, um, relationships. I was married for a while uh, to somebody who had kids. And so all of that tends to move your focus outward. And I think that was good for me. It's good for introverts to see that outer reality isn't just this dark, mysterious, threatening place, but that it's actually fun to hang out there. <laughs> There's lots of possibilities out there. And that if you just stay inside, um, not just in the house, but in yourself, you're missing all the adventures. And it's kind of lonely, too. So 
I was glad I had a bit of push from life itself. And um, I think it also helped to have a highly extroverted mother. So there are still times when I need to just be by myself. Um, sometimes even for a few days at a time. But for introverts, uh, becoming more extroverted is like developing a stubborn muscle. And um, eventually you can train it up and strengthen it so that you, you spend more and more time with people in the outer world than you ever could before when you were younger. So to some extent, it's a matter of practice. And one of the things that introverts fear, whether they're conscious of it or not, is that if they hang out in the outer world too much, then it's going to somehow harm or pollute their inner life. They're going to become phony and inauthentic and all that. And I think this fear is largely overblown. I think extroverts are actually much more at risk of that. And even then, maybe it's still an exaggerated fear. When I was in college, I uh, for, a sh for a short time, I had a Japanese roommate. And, um, of course, one of the benefits of college that don't get talked about much when the discussion is all about employment after college is the value of living with and mixing with people from other cultures, which is immeasurable. And I remember talking to um, Yoshi about something I was learning in school from, uh, I think from the humanistic side of psychology, about authentic versus inauthentic self. And he thought that was a very American thing. He, it made him laugh. And he said... From his cultural background, we have many selves, and who's to say which one was phony and which isn't? And that was a rich learning for me, and I came away from it thinking that we're phony only when we get stuck to one of these particular selves, and we forget that we have other ones. So it gave me a much more pluralistic understanding of authenticity. So to return to... Um, this consideration of the good stuff only being on the inside, it seems like what we want to try to avoid are the extreme swings of the pendulum, where on the one hand, only the outer, only other people's opinions, let's say, or one's amount of career success, determine the weight of your self-worth. That's, that's one pendulum swing. Um, which leads to a lot of inner fragility and, and fear. But the other pendulum swing is inflation and considering oneself the only source of anything meaningful. You know, the meaning's in me, the wisdom's in me. And, of course, the question that comes up is, why can't it be both? <clears throat> it seems artificial to split what's going on inside with what's going on outside. In philosophy and religion, this is also called dualism. And it has a very long history. Think often of um, dualism as it shows up in René Descartes. And um, when, you, when you look at his life, um, you know, being orphaned early on and shuffled around, is it any wonder that he retreated into introversion and he split inner from outer 
and said, you know, the spiritual stuff, that's us. That's that's not extendable, as he put it. Um, you can't pull out a ruler and measure it. You can measure things in the outer world because it's a completely different kind of reality. But the inner world is its own autonomous realm or entity. And, it, and it's not joined to the outer world except by some miracle of God. So I, w- I would actually say that to the extent we think the good stuff is only on the inside, we're being kind of like Descartes. It's really a defensive operation in some ways. And then um, when he got a bit older, of course, he um, at one point, he and his um, lover of the time had a daughter, and she died, and that just broke his heart into a million pieces. And if anything, he became even more introverted. In theory, if not always in life, um, Carl Jung said, well, look, I mean, the inner and the outer are two different aspects of the same basic stuff. And psychological depth is not only within people, it's between them as well. And also out in the world. So it might be more useful to think of these two positions, inner and outer, as alternating where one part of our life has a more extroverted emphasis and another part has a more introverted one, which is a rhythm that we go through rather than extremes to get locked into. And uh, we can even see this during the day. Um, I usually get up before the sun, and for the first hour of my day every day, I am all introvert. And I think there might be a seasonal component to this, too. I notice for myself that during the summer, I tend to be more extroverted. And then summer and fall. And then um, as fall cools into winter, I start getting more and more introverted again. I'm recording this as uh, early winter is starting to unfold. And... um, I feel that seasonal cycle in me in spite of whatever the weather is doing. And um, I have a presentation coming up and uh, I'm a presentation and a workshop and I'm thinking, yeah, I think that's going to do it for the year. So I think with introverts in particular, um, this doesn't seem to be true of extroverts in general. Um, I think we need to be pushed a bit to develop our opposite side. Uh, I've known quite a few extroverts who, for one reason or another, say, you know, I need to get to know myself better. And then they take up some kind of a contemplative practice or they go into therapy or they just make that inward turn somehow. But for introverts making the outward turn, it can be more difficult. And I think we have to be pushed a little bit, which life sometimes does. And um, years ago, um, I was chairing a department in higher ed and um, one of my faculty who actually was older than me uh, was this brilliant and highly introverted scholar and she and I were getting ready to do a presentation on eco-psychology for our students and colleagues. Eco-psychology is where ecology and the environment meet and um, she had been studying it in great detail and wanted to present a couple of thoughts about it. And um, so about a minute before we were going to start, she was going first, and then I was going to speak afterwards. And um, 
and she was seized by a pang of doubt. And uh, she quietly said to me, I just don't feel like I know enough about this to speak with any authority about it, which is humble. And um, I consulted my intuition and um, decided to push. And I, I said, look, um, none of us feels that way, right? <laughs> Nobody's done with the learning. We're all beginners. And so um, you need to go up there and present. And she got kind of angry with me and, um, you know, frowned and said, you know, I don't really like to be pushed to do this. And I said, you got 30 seconds to get ready and then you're going up there. I'm not presenting alone. And the truth is I didn't care if I presented alone or not. I've done a bunch of presenting on eco-psychology. It's a topic I really enjoy talking about. I just wanted to get her up there. And so, of course, she went up there and presented and it was great. And she knew all kinds of things. And um, the audience went, wow, you know, and it was, it was a really good experience. And so afterwards she said, thanks for pushing me to do that. So the next time you see one of these memes going around on social media or just hearing somebody say, you know, what you, what you need in life, what you really need is inside you. Then give yourself permission to ask, yeah, but what's going on outside right now? Because inner and outer talk to each other. They're one process. A lot of us who study esoteric stuff understand that alchemy, which was actually a wisdom tradition, says, as above, so below. It's an ancient idea. It comes all the way from Egypt. Um, but the Gnostics, who were in some ways an evolution of the alchemists, with their spiritual path, had a different way of looking at it, and which I think is handy here. They said, inner, outer, and outermost. And they held it all as one process. Inner, outer, and outermost. So yes, when you need to, absolutely do, do take time for the internal study and contemplation and um, soul searching and sitting with feelings and all those things that you need to do. But when you've done that for a while, spare a thought for what's going on outside as well. Because the world needs the fruits of your contemplation and internal searching. And that's another part that gets left out with this idea of all the good stuff's inside me. Well, maybe less good stuff would be locked up inside people if they shared it more. And let's learn something from Young once again about this. I teach a course on his black books, which are the name of his journal, his research journal, at Young Platform, and I do presentations on it. And... There's a point in the black books where he has spent years digging into himself and then the internal characters that he engages in imagination and dream start telling him, look, you've been in here long enough. It's really time to bring this out into the world. You've done all this learning from your internal teachers, but isn't the whole point to take this learning and make the world a better place and start mentoring people? and sharing what you know. And so it's around that time that Young's work starts to get known because he took the hint. So perhaps we should too, especially the introverts. Thank you. <laughs>